It's probably, yeah. Hi. Welcome, everybody, to Game of Nodes. Welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on Cosmos from independent validator teams. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on the Cosmos from independent validator teams. And luckily, you're going to be spared the sound of spiders fucking on Null's balcony, um, thanks to some last-minute adjustment of the audio at his end. We are without um, nearly docs. Then we are without Usurper Rhino tonight. Uh, he's been called away to important issues. Servers on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I'm sure. And so it's just going to be the three of us, I was about to say the three of us flying solo, which is one of the more idiotic things I will have said today. Um, I, I feel um, like Usurper's probably just been told by his wife that he has to go to dinner or something like that. Maybe it's date night. Rug for maybe date night. Maybe that should yeah. have been the real name of the episode. I mean, <laughs> I'll give a pass for that. That's I mean, Co- Code it's Hands cute. has rugged us several times for date night. <laughs> but, but, but no, we are... Well, actually, I, maybe I shouldn't be living in in hope. I believe, I believe in the fact we are going to have code hands on in the next month uh, and not get rugged for date night again. But you know, maybe that's what will happen. Um, so yeah, oh, Nell's gone. Okay, very good. That doesn't make any sense if you're listening later on a podcast player. Um, for some reason, he's just turned off his his camera, which was funny. Um, so this week. Uh, What's been happening other than the bear continues, I suppose. There was some, uh, the, the, there was some, I mean, we were talking about this before the show started, weren't we, Shultzy, about how um, difficult it seems to be for builders to get funded in the space, either, either by foundations or by community pools. And I think there's, uh, well, on Juno, there's obviously a couple of props up, <clears throat> excuse me, at the moment um related to getting community oh sorry no they're not actually up live yet are they they're just on commonwealth um on getting funding and okay that was weird um and there's also the same thing's been happening on evmos right there have been a load of um community props although those have been more spammy at that's really disturbing (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what's going on my my main camera just shat it this is my uh my phone camera uh, it's really weird now on on the on the Mac. It just like connects to your phone camera as an option. Hang on, I'll go away and like try and figure this out. Are those fake bricks in the in corner? The yeah, those uh, fake bricks. That's, that's actually. Hang on. I'm really sorry to anybody listening later. Oh, they're pictures. That's actually cool. Oh, okay, fair enough. I thought they were fake bricks. Got some steamboat Willie over there. Australia. <laughs> okay. Right. So, so it's actually like historical photos and shit that's up there. It's actually historical shit. Okay. I don't, I don't know. What do I do? Do I just hold this here? Or? Just prop it up with something. <laughs> Fuck. So this, is, <laughs> this is where we need that technical difficulties side that Usurper made uh, in Photoshop. Okay, I'm just I'm just not sure I can hold this for an hour and a half. So, <laughs> As, like I said, prop it up with a book, and then I remember there's no books in Australia, so that's mm. uh, that's not going to work. I ordered some books to get them into Australia. I mean, <laughs> to get them into the country. <laughs> I mean, that's ironic, isn't it? Ordering books all the way from America. Anyway, um, so 
this is unbelievably distracting. I'm looking to MacGyver some shit together here. I just yeah, okay. Uh, well, do you want to <laughs> maybe maybe like turn your camera off for a second, engage with the conversation, or just kind of lean it up? You got a laptop, right? Why not just lean it up against the laptop? I kind of feel like we're in an action shot in like Top Gun or something. Where it just like zooms like, in real hard and then some big old like action scene happens. <laughs> it's very like Requiem for a Dream or something. Isn't it? yeah. the camera, the, it's supposed to be coming out of there, man. It's, I'm confused. It's like that thing, you know, in some films when people are talking and it's all like a close cut and then it suddenly expands to the edge of the, uh, like the full like IMAX size and you're like, all right, action scene. Yep. <laughs> we just know that's about to happen. That's kind of what it feels like. Got the, uh, the like Churchill zoom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm going to have a hunt around for some duct tape. I, I reckon I can MacGyver this together at the top of my monitor here. Seems like. I'm just going to stick it to literally my other camera. Okay. Um, do you want to... <laughs> it actually seems much nicer picture too. I might actually start leaving this other shitbox camera at home. I'm sure there's like some sort of adapter stand you can get to like hang this thing off your monitor. Give me a minute. Things that, we talk about, the things that we talk about on Game of Nodes more than the Cosmos include our microphone setups, our desk setups, and apparently our technical difficulties. Um, so yeah, the, the I think the thing the the thing that I've noticed we don't validate Evermos, but I've seen a lot of what look like spam props over there, right? And a lot of that is is it is it kind of just generic shit bear market trolling because it's like because it's assumed that there'll be fewer voters, or is it actually projects looking for cash like viable projects uh okay so i don't know that i'm really qualified to answer this but from my understanding it's, it's more of they're trying to prove a point i don't think they're actually going for funding um a lot of them are being sent up by what is it the fmos for volunteers validator which is already one of the top validators and makes them the most um and i think what they're trying to do it seems like they're trying to make a point about what government should governance should be about and who gets funding and the message isn't coming across. That's my read on it. So like, if you read through the first proposal that got, everyone got all fired up about and did no veto, the ending is kind of where you get the final statement that you, it changes the idea of the actually going for funding. And they're more saying something like, we want to stay a volunteer project, but there's something going on in the background where like funding is becoming like a weird political game. And so we just want to end the conversation now and make sure that we're still a volunteer team. Something really weird like that is going on. I think, but my read could totally be wrong here. Okay, so that sounds like more of an internal thing for like them than it does for for anything else, potentially. That was my take, yeah. But then the follow-up props have been a similar thing where, well, now let's decide if that's the case, then what else are we going to do? Like trying to define um, yes, no, and no with veto. I'm okay with that. I don't like it, um, but it seems like it used to be that I really wanted to define yes, no, no, if you don't abstain. The problem is it has such different context for each prop, right? So like with Prop yeah. 16, abstain came from like what level of evidence do we have to actually make a decision, right? Versus yeah. an abstain on a funding prop could just be, I didn't have time to look into it and I'm going to defer to my delegators in order to vote for it. So it's just two different kind of takes. Um, and so trying to define it through governance, eh. Uh, that's, a, that's a pass for me yeah i think it's it's quite highly contextual isn't it what you see on other chains i think more commonly is that people write on each prop what they what the proposer suggests the meaning of those is 
and like as a voter you're you're always entitled to go all of those definitions suck no with veto right that's your prerogative so yeah that is a bit strange to try and like define it ahead of time i think um so the and then okay that makes more sense we were just talking about evmos for volunteers now oh man what a um <clears throat> saga that's been in the last uh week or so we've kind of Sorry, been watching be, it from be the prepared, outside be prepared for this camera situation to get horribly wrong um i was unable to find any kind of duct tape it is precariously like lent up against my other camera that i bent down and ready to fall at literally any minute that said oh my god the the whole like saga of props on the last week week and a half on fmos has just been out of control i just it's baffling um but the the definitions attached to the yes no no with veto is just nonsense i i don't know why they keep doing that um and yeah it's like they're trying to load the answers to mean things that they don't mean it's really annoying um so i guess from king node's perspective we've just basically put a memo in there that we don't recognize it as a valid proposition and it's just spam and no with veto so don't know i don't know that it deserves a no with veto but in my mind that definition kind of falls into our I don't know if we've ever actually had a discussion on, on camera before, but our discussions around chains having their own constitutions. I don't know if that's really something that can totally be represented on chain in such a way that, you know, that, that makes sense. Like in secret, we, we did a, uh, uh, something of a constitution a while back, but we agreed like four things. Right. And really it should be like broken down as granular as possible, as atomically as possible, where do we agree on article one? Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Um, but still, that's not a really an on-chain thing. And I don't think that a definition of what each voting measure represents should also be on-chain. I don't know. I'm kind of torn. It feels like it feels like it should be an ever-evolving conversation. I think that um, propositions should be uh, written such that they are you agree or you don't agree with what they've proposed. I don't think there should be any like other attachments at all i think it should be black and white that you have you either agree to what they've requested or what they're saying or you don't agree and then you know if it's nonsense or spam it's just a no with veto abstain needs to go for sure um i kind of disagree on that one i think the current system is is kind of broken enough that you need abstain as a get out clause and it's only but it but with that said, it's only tenable because your your delegators can override your vote. If delegators couldn't override your vote, then you would need to remove abstain. Yeah, hundred percent. Well Because then you would be pushed into yes or no. Like it would be that simple. Can't support this, won't support this, fine. It, it by default has to be a no, my hands are tied. You know? Can we can we agree that um what happens when you abstain could possibly change like the, when you abstain and there is more yeses than nos right you still achieve quorum and then push the the yes over the line even if there's not that much of it if there's like a few yeses and a shitload of abstains you'll still like push the vote over um say if no one votes no right 
and three people vote yes and the, the entire rest of the, the set votes abstain, then it'll pass with like a couple of votes yes. Sure, but that's like uh, it's very rare that the abstains are going to push a vote over the quorum threshold. Well, abstains count as a vote, so yeah. If you have like no, I mean, I know that I know they do, but like um, it, it's a it's a theoretical position, but I don't think I, like I high, highly wrong. controversial uh, propositions. A lot of you get a lot of abstains, right? And yeah, then you've sure. got like a minority. A, a big minority is actually doing the voting, and the the you know the a lot of the times in those highly controversial things, you've got like you know a a vocal minority that is just pushing an agenda to to get the small amount of votes they need to get over the line to make it pass. Like if you're going to abstain, it just shouldn't count as a vote. You should just register that it's an abstain. It shouldn't count towards quorum. Right. Yeah, I mean, I could agree with that. I could agree that abstain shouldn't count towards quorum, but I do think abstain is necessary as an option to, in the current system anyway, as an option to record a vote as a validator that either you can't or won't make this call. So and recording like that vote is only, only to prove participation, right? So you say, oh, look, sure. I do vote. Well, I yes, think the point yes, is no, you just right, vote. but the point is a lot of the a lot of people who vote via script just vote yes on everything. So if you see abstention, who is voting by by script? There are there are some people there who are, vote. There are lots, yeah. yeah there are lots, lots of people by script. Who vote by script, one hundred percent. There are plenty of validators who just vote straight yes. Um, that said, Elon's fucked me today. <laughs> Fuck you, Elon. That said, I reckon there probably are a couple of validators that just blanket vote abstain and then come back and edit their vote if they have the time so it's maybe six or one half a dozen of the other but like shorts said either just before the show or at the start a funding prop is like a quite good example of where a validator might say for whatever reason i actually don't think that i can make this call or it's not my like like it's almost a conflict of interest if you yourself get uh, get or have had funding or even a foundation delegation it is it rushing a bit it is right to say you can say somebody else shouldn't have it because that is your opinion as an elected re- representative just because you're a paid member of parliament doesn't mean you can't say we won't give a contract to this company that's actually fine isn't it that's literally your, your job in fact well uh so one of the few times that we consistently wrote abstain is actually for um, on secret network because James is part of the support team. Um, he, he also is part of Lavender five. We always vote abstain just because then we consider it a conflict of interest, right? Because then, and in a sense, the secret work kind of subsidizes like payments from Lavender five. Right. So to me, it just seems like it makes sense to, to vote abstain. And then I typically put in the memo saying, Hey, I, I don't, I vote abstain just because it's a conflict of interest. You gonna make it over there? Was I'm that crying. You talking to me? It's oh. fine. <laughs> yeah, what? It? I think oh, there's Jesus. a good. Yeah, he's someone call an Amber, right? <laughs> I think there's a compelling case to be made that you could probably get rid of quorum and then um, also get rid of voters validating for their delegators, right? I don't. I, I understand from like if you think if you try and create a mimic of a you know, a Republic voting system that validators should be voting for their delegators. But I don't think it necessarily needs to be that. I don't see why validators should be voting for the delegators unless you're trying to to 
fulfilled the quorum story where a a prop can only go through if a sufficient percentage of the delegators actually agree with it. And I think that in a world where validation and uh, such competition is here, I don't think it really fulfills anything because so many validators vote for the sake of being able to say they voted as opposed to what they actually think the prop is for, if that makes sense. Yeah, but then... <clears throat> Wait, so you're saying you would do away with the quorum? I don't know necessarily doing away with quorum, but I think that the current um, the current story of de- delegated proof of stake within the cosmos is, is flawed. And I think that there's a strong argument to be made that validators shouldn't control the vote of their delegators, but in doing so, quorum would basically never be reached. So how, what would you do with quorum? Is quorum necessary? I, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, I mean, that there's a whole. I just saw in the spreadsheet somebody just wrote the phrase says to get fucked because upgrades. <coughs> that wasn't exactly what I was about to say. It was a little bit close to what I was about to say, which is that. So I'm I'm taking notes in the spreadsheet, <laughs> and uh, and I just already knew what you were going to say. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast too long, but no, but it is true that while while upgrades are a part of consensus, individual stakers have like actually a responsibility. And at the moment, they're devolved that responsibility is devolved to some extent to validators, right? So I actually don't necessarily disagree with you, Shortsy, but the question is in that case, like how do you align incentives so that those um delegators will vote? Because <clears throat> We probably right now, let's say, in a in, in a bear market, have a lot of stakers who are effectively AFK. They've gone away and they'll come back at some point. So <clears throat> unless you tie, unless you do something quite radical like expiring stake that's tied to governance or something like that, which would be spicy and also have its own problems, right? Because if you say to people, oh, well, you only get staking rewards if you're participating in governance, fine. Okay, what's the corollary of that would be that um <clears throat> the the amount of liquid tokens would arbitrarily increase like via these cycles to do with governance voting and and the whole security aspect of dpos like you know wouldn't work so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of sense in which the more you'd scratch on the surface of what we currently got it's the simplest combination of all the legos to make something functional that you could put into production um but it's like, how can we how can we align those incentives better? Particularly the ones where you're like trying to get. I think the thing. I think we're both talking about the same thing, which is like, can you get a larger number of individual entities to vote instead of the validators? Right. I think that's what both of us are trying to arrive at an idea for how you would do. But then, if all those people like go away in a bear market, then maybe you just can't make quorum to do an upgrade, right? Um, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, and, and there's also a question like, should upgrades even, I mean, I guess, because you're changing the software, right? That's the problem with proof of stake. Yeah, I mean, well, that that's kind of it as well, right? Maybe upgrades should be their, their own thing. It probably does make sense that validators vote on any sort of software upgrade because they're the ones that are responsible for it, for lack of a better term. So it makes sense for them to vote specifically for that. But maybe if it is community funding thing, or maybe if it is just a, a signaling prop, maybe validator votes should account for nothing. Yeah. The um sorry, I just want to interrupt this this interesting discussion for a second. In the chat, Leturtz has said that Null looks like he's doing the podcast while on break from his shift at the local nature sanctuary. There you go. 
burn, sick burn. Um, but like a, I mean, the, but the, you know, we have been having this kind of long running shower thought, if you like, about slashing and about whether or not it achieves anything, particularly hard slashing. Um, but also, yeah, even to some extent, soft slashing, right? Because the incentives to keep your validator up are strong enough anyway, because you're losing money because the majority of validators are still making like mint fees is the most important component of revenue if it wasn't then yes you would maybe need soft slashing but like um you know like <clears throat> so to use the, the other network that i know both me and you are on short or you know we're we're sort of participating on um on something like aptos there are a whole bunch of upgrades which have nothing they, they're not in consensus they just roll out the upgrade and when voting power gets to a point the nodes that didn't upgrade stop moving the ones that did upgrade keep moving but it's not <clears throat> the you don't app hash right you don't have a lot of the you don't have a lot of the deadlock type um constraints that you do in cosmos where the intention is to sort of catch and punish potentially byzantine behavior it's almost like this. And I don't know if this is by design, but it feels like the philosophy there is a bit different. It's like it's probably not deliberate, and in any case, the system is designed to stop this anyway, which it has done. So that node's just not making money, and that's up to them. And maybe that's like more the avenue we need to be thinking about, which is you know um, incentives, right? Is carrot not stick? Um, and maybe that applies to the, the governance conversation as well. Um, and actually, you know, uh, in the chat, Ben Davis said uh, a little while ago, can you have conflict of interest in DPoS? Isn't the point of DPS about alignment of interest? So I think this must have been when we were talking about, you were talking about secret, but the point at the end there about alignment of interest, I think is like what we're talking about here as well, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that going back to your, your statement about Aptos, I think that one of the core issues there is that Aptos um, isn't intended to fulfill like an IBC image, right? It's not intended to be forked for a dozen other networks to launch off of. And so I think they recognized early on that they're probably going to control the stake for the first, let's say five years. And if they're controlling the stake, they pretty well know that no one's going to try and take over because they control it or they um, custody it. Custodian? There's a word there I'm looking for that I'm not finding. Um, they're custodians of the stake. Well, yeah, it's centralized right now. Yeah. And so they don't need to worry about um, a nefar nefarious behavior coming because they know what they are. Whereas for Cosmos, um, we could launch a network right now that is worth, you know, a thousandth of a penny with a, with a thousand tokens. And then someone can buy and, you know, take it over or whatever. And so in order to, to count for a new network coming up, for it to not immediately be bought out, I think it makes sense for it to, you know, to have more stringent, scary... Um, punishing uh, mechanics built in immediately. Near similar to, to Aptos in that there, there isn't slashing right now and there hasn't been, and they aren't intending to really do slashing yet because I, I think it's just an expectation of like development alignment. For Near, their, their priority is sharding, right? They want to be able to um, basically break out further and further, further shards for validator sets. Um, and so it'll always be like naturally based on how they're designing it, naturally balanced. And so something that can't take over the set to try and do a 51% attack because it'll just balance itself back out with how they're designing it. Right. So I guess it's maybe, I mean, maybe it's not exactly uh, 
It's not fundamental to the design of Cosmos, but it does fall out of the design of the Internet of Blockchains that you're not only... Right, so I think it comes down to, my brain just caught up with what you said, that whatever you know about the chain you are currently on, you obviously don't know about every chain that's adjacent to you via IBC, right? That, that I think, is, like, in a nutshell, the essence of the problem of why the environment is always significantly lower trust. Yeah, yeah. So what does that mean for governance? <laughs> well, at least those people can't vote on your chain until mesh security comes along, in which case they can. Um, so then you'll have people AFK on multiple chains at the same time, resulting in a lack of quorum being achieved. And then so, Cosmo Station will truly have the ultimate power. <laughs> yeah. So th there's other aspects to like um, conflict of interest uh, or perceived conflict of interest. So the other day I got... Um, a duly uh, probably deserving ear bashing for, from some people at um, Kujira uh, because of how I voted on a proposal on Stargaze um, that they saw as a conflict of interest between the chains, um, which was not entirely correct. It was more that my personal uh, feelings towards, uh, you know, mechanics of, liquidity pools and fragmenting liquidity was the reason that I voted how I voted uh, and other people perceived the vote to be against the the chain that was the target of the spend proposal. So multi-chain validators have an inherent conflict of interest depending on the type of proposal and, and what it is proposing between two separate chains. So there's that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the other thing, isn't it? Is that all, all of, whether it's validation or whether it's helping out with some code or whether it's, you know, whatever, having met people, there's the active group of people in Cosmos is actually quite small. And the further you go back to the first group of chains, the smaller it sort of gets. So there is like, a, I mean, this is nepotism, right? Uh, in a nutshell, this is why you have political and social elites. So there is an element in which perhaps validators in that sense do need to be held to account for the exact reasoning behind their votes in that way. Like, although it's a pain in the ass, actually, maybe that is completely, that is actually things functioning correctly, which is the whole, you know, taking it back to the, um, you know, defining yes, no, no, with veto, et cetera, is that like the whole point is that I, I think all of our, Eh, can't do that is basically because it's social isn't it the consensus around what those things mean and actually it's it's kind of the same problem with governance well problem feature feature not a bug maybe with governance is that it actually takes place outside of where the vote is recorded and it always will do um so i mean so what um i think it was pokachu it might have even been you shilty who um was explaining like how they vote as a multi-chain validator, because you guys are on a shitload of chains, and so is Pokachu. And um, there's one of his, or someone in the in the group chat, was saying that they vote aligned to the chain that the proposal is on in the best interest of that chain is how they like get around that. So whether or not you're on two chains or not, if the proposal's on Stargaze, they vote in the best interest of Stargaze. If it's on the hub, then they vote in the best interest of the hub regardless of what the effect is on the other chain. I would say that's generally true. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've said that before. 
Um, there's, of course, like the greater good. There's the good of the chain, and there's like a greater good. And there are some examples of votes, like Prop 16, where I voted what I thought was the greater good of the greater cosmos, as opposed to just what is good for the chain itself. Um, but yeah, what you said is is our general philosophy. Yeah, which which is, I, I guess it's, you know, it makes sense in the context that what we've seen, but if you were, it would be interesting to see how that panned out in a kind of um, the Solana validator level money. You know what I mean? Where your conflict of interest between one chain was like, on this chain, we make a thousand dollars a month, let's say, and we spend five hundred dollars a month on servers. So we're making you know, five hundred dollars a month. Cool. On this one, we hire two full-time members of staff to keep up with the contract that we have to run this this node. Like that that is because that's where that's where you also clash up with the fact that validators are not representatives in a representative democracy they are businesses with tax seasons <laughs> um and you know uh the, the the title of this podcast was a direct reference to uh it it's corporate corporation tax season um in our jurisdiction and we've just finished our draft return and what you learn from the way that crypto is taxed for a business uh, is that the good times are good, but you also pay very, very heavily for anything you compound during the good times to hedge against. Well, to, to basically have a long term. If you if you want to be a validator where people are like, why why don't you restake? Right? You if you if you want to restake or compound to show your long term interest and alignment with a chain, it's going to cost you in a funny in a, in a funny way when. You're no longer making any money. Was is basically would be my like it's we yeah we're fine. I'm not complaining. That would be uh, crass, do, and we are very you, happy to pay our taxes. But it is it is interesting to now see it all in a spreadsheet and go ah this particular line here this cost because the the tokens that are restaked are now worth nothing. This money that we are paying taxes on was a principled decision. And so then I look, I look at a situation like would would we definitely vote in the best interest of a chain where we had one massively outsized paycheck that was paying for the party and the staff, and then one paycheck over here that was completely inconsequential that was a rounding error. I, I don't know. I don't know what I, I don't know what we would do in that situation. Do you think that like whether or not you restake your tokens is you know you being aligned with the chain? So we were just doing the delegations policies for Juno and one of the policies is that, um, you know, you have a certain amount of restake during the period and a certain amount of bonded tokens during the period and, you know, that is based around like showing your commitment, I guess, to the chain. But from a business perspective, a lot of time it doesn't make sense um, particularly like you're saying regarding taxes, when you you penalised basically um, in some jurisdictions for the way we can restake, especially in a heavy bull market when the token price is going up and you don't know when the cliff is. And if you're restaking, you're taking on all of the um, the income tax liability without taking any money off the table for a tax. So I think... Uh, it's a 
you know, it's a hard thing to like balance. Um, well, there was a really good point made by Artifact the other day. Um, said something. Uh, I don't know because <laughs> this is like this is potentially unpopular. So I feel kind of bad to have basically just pinned it on somebody else and then gone. These are not my words, but something very smart, right? Which is that. Um, I think their background is financial services or uh, commodities, maybe commodities. And um, they said, look, the the whole game is uh, maybe maybe not of, maybe not of business more generally, but certainly what we do, which has a financial element where the the price is volatile, right? Is that you need to identify whether you're in a short or a long position. Now, I'm sure like Null fucking knows all of this, and so this is just really obvious. But if you're in a short position, uh you probably want to sorry if you're if you already have what was i've already forgotten what he fucking said now i sound like a fucking idiot um so he said like if you've got like a raw component and then you know there's things that that component can make you want to be long the derivatives because they will get made over time with a longer lead time and a less elastic to changes in the market and if the price is up on the thing that makes the other things um I don't know what was a good example of this, like uh, palm oil, right? Palm oil and, and Nutella, right? Nutella has to be made of palm oil. It has a lead time on it. They're always going to demand palm oil, right? So you want to be long Nutella. And if the price of palm oil goes up, you want to get rid, you want to get rid of your palm oil options that you have, right? You want to get rid of your short, your short position. I think that's what he's getting at. But the, but the point is this, is that if you're in a, a validator, and you even if you're DCAing um, like Null would, right? If you're above the point where it's reasonable for you to sell to make a business profit or to make acceptable revenue, you should always sell the tokens that come your way because the tokens have no intrinsic utility. They're not palm oil or whatever. You can't make additional things out of them with a little star because some would argue that point, but. And as a validator, more tokens are coming in the future. So you're in default, a sort of a long position where they're going to come to you anyway. So you're already exposed to the long benefit. It's just that you, the cost of the cost of not doing that is, is affected by compound interest, especially if you're in the early days of a chain. Right. I thought that was a very clever, like observation to like summarize the whole dilemma, I guess, if you like, and you suddenly go, shit hang on wait the dominant strategy is basically always to sell if i understand this correctly so i here's what i think right as a validator you make a constant revenue uh, whether it's a big one or a small one you you have a constant revenue of tokens right um and i don't like you know obviously i'm biased because we're we're all validators here but um i don't have a problem with selling a large percentage of it most of the time um we don't always sell but uh i'm saying i don't have a problem with people selling them depending on the market conditions like when you take into account so we have usually like a line in the sand and when the price is over the line we sell them and when the price is under the line we just compound them because it doesn't make sense to sell them right but those tokens that get compounded probably never really get sold they just sort of sit there staked because unstaking and selling is just Right. You know, not really something we, we do. We just we sell revenue when it makes sense to, and then when it doesn't make sense to, 
because of mainly reasons like damaging the market more than it's already, you know, under pain. Um, sure. And also like, you know, um, like public perception as well as someone who's like actively damaging the market and the brand by bashing the price into the ground. But so, so in Australia, when you stake, does that count as a disposal? Like, do you, when you, man, claim, the, when the, you claim the reward and then, so you claim the reward, you get some tokens. Now you need to decide whether to stake or sell. In our jurisdiction, whether we stake or sell, we pay the tax on it, bam, that exact moment. You need to execute that within the same trading day, either staking or selling. Otherwise, the tax gets a whole lot more complicated, believe me. But if you make a just binary decision, either way, the amount of tax you pay on that day is the same. The only difference is one situation, it goes to your balance sheet of assets where you say, I have magic internet money beans in a box here. They're staked, they're getting interest. And then over here, you have pounds. But you pay, you know, whether I get 500 money beans staked or whether I get 500 pounds, I still pay a hundred pounds in tax. And at the end so, of the year, I have to pay that tax, even if I don't have that hundred pounds, like we as a company have to pay that. And if we don't have that, then, uh, you know. Yeah. So what you're saying is that times, I guess when, when you claim your tokens, uh, like your commission um, and your, your rewards, right? You're incurring an income tax liability, which means that you owe income tax on that money. Um, if you have money to pay the income tax with from selling it, then you're fine and you've got your margin between you know, what you sold and, and what your tax is. So you get to keep 70% and the government gets 30%. Um, so that's at the, at the price when you sell, right? So if you sell a 1000 and they're worth $10 each, then you owe you know, $3,000 in tax and you've got $7,000 in your pocket. Uh, if you claim them and restake them, then you still incur the income tax liability at the price they were when you um, claim them, which is, so you still owe $3,000 worth of tax. And if you stake them and they go to, so you take your $7,000 and you stake them and then the price goes down to a dollar, well, you've got $1,000 worth of tokens and you have a capital loss of $6,000. So that's the way it would work if you're an individual in Australia. I'm having... Sure. Dis- dispute it, with my accountant about how it works. But uh, account- so, but so in the situation where you end up in a loss position. Like so hang account- on. So to, to further b- before you go on okay. to, to further to further like um, explain why that's bad is because you can't offset a capital loss against income tax. That's exactly what I was about to say. That's that is the essence of how, as a validator, you can go bankrupt by accident. And why I think we we saw so many validators as soon as the FTX thing happened, like a lot of the, the big ones, the ones with big staff who had maybe expanded it a bit too big, they all had the same light bulb go on at the same time and they fired all their staff. Like the second you go, oh, wait, hang on. You're saying that no matter how much money we lose, we cannot offset that against our income tax. That that is a, I mean, it's it's kind of obvious, really. But however, until that, you, that's you grasp it. So in Australia, that's how it works as an individual, and people shoot themselves all the time with that same problem. Because here's an example, right? Uh, and this is different. Like it's not 
it's not staking. Um, it's you know. Oh, actually, no. This is completely different problem. So I won't go into that. I'll go into Here's, it in a minute. An if, example, you, if you want like, to hear, uh, you're playing so, two. Up, you're playing two up on Anzac Day. You make three thousand dollars. You don't, can't get taxed on um, on gambling profits in Australia. Um, there so you anyway, go. wait. Hold on a second. Are you telling me? <laughs> yeah, well, we hang on. Use, we should. Why are we doing the validation where we could be playing two up? Yeah. Well, aren't we effectively gambling anyway? So. <laughs> <laughs> um so anyway as a company though uh company tax works different and there's like 10 handfuls of different um tax accounting strategies you can use to um you know balance your books basically so as a business like a proprietary limited we can uh, we can offset losses against um income tax by treating them as stock and then doing a write down on the value of stock at the end of the year and offset that against profits because it's not income. And like in, in a company, you make income as a company, it's really revenue, right? And so at the end of the year, you make a profit and loss, you don't have income. Um, and so if you make profit, operating profit of $7,000, and then you have a write down in your stock value of $6,000, which was how much the stock went down, you can offset that against your um, revenue. So, not only that, if in a in a subsequent year, so say if we have a good year, last financial year, right? Last last year was good um, for validating. So, say if we made ten thousand dollars, right, and we paid this three thousand dollars tax, um, then in the subsequent year we lost ten thousand dollars. We can claw back tax from the previous year to offset the losses from the subsequent year. So this is the argument you're currently having with your accountants. So no, my my argument with the accountant is the 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 um the value of the. So it's really funny when you make money as a validator because you're you don't have a cost base for creating the token, right? So you know the cost base could be the cost of the servers and the labor that goes into um you know, the work that generates the rewards or the cost base could be the price of the token when you claim it. Um, do you have an income? Do you then have a cost base for a capital loss? Um, it's just the semantics around that. I don't think we um, are in agreement. So we have to have like a bit more of a conversation around that. And it makes a big difference to the, um, to the you know, profit and loss at the end of the year. Because from what I gathered, they were saying that you have to take the revenue as the price at which you um, claim it. And then like they were proposing from what I was hearing, they, they were trying to propose some other way of calculating the cost base or, or that it's worth nothing when you get it. I'm like, fucking what? I just, I just registered an income and now it's not worth anything as a cost base? Like how the fuck does that work? So... I'm not sure if I was just misunderstanding what they were saying, um, but we need to go back and clarify that in some meetings to get on the same page or um, go and talk to the government and get a clarification from them. Yeah. Well, that sounds like the path that the United States might be taking after a Tezos lawsuit that, that happened where right now, in theory, whenever you claim, well, in theory, every six seconds, every block, you're supposed to pay taxes on the the coins that are minted. Um, nobody does it, obviously. So most people do it based off of when they actually hit claim. But when they hit claim, that's whenever the income taxes accrue. accrue. 
Um, not when you restake, not when you sell, just right when you claim. And then when you sell, it'll do a different tax um, activity. Uh, however, during the Tezos thing, they said that, well, they were running their validators. They claimed a bunch, let's say a thousand Tezos, and they never did anything, but they just sat on it to hold it. Well, because in theory, they created those tokens, that means it's in a product. And so if it hasn't been sold, that means they haven't gotten income for it yet. So it shouldn't be taxed yet. It shouldn't be taxed until it's sold or it's actioned upon, like sent to someone. Um, and they actually won that lawsuit. The IRS agreed like, yeah, okay. It makes sense that we wouldn't actually tax you for what you had already generated. It wouldn't tax it until it's actually sold, wasn't sold. Therefore you don't actually owe the however much in taxes that you owe, which is a big difference. That means restaking would then become extremely you know, beneficial for United States companies because they could continuously be restaking and not have accrued a tax yet because they actually haven't actually sold it. Therefore, their whatever they're doing has no value yet. Right, but wouldn't the rest wouldn't the staking be a disposal? No, because I you're think taking action. No, uh, I think technically the Tezos people were restaking or something, um, but staking is just basically continue to add to your pool. That's not considered an action within that jurisdiction. Um, right. So some people are actually acting on it as if that's the way the tech system is works now. Um, I'm not quite that aggressive in my interpretation of the tax law. There yeah. is absolutely no way our government would ever borrow that shit. Yeah, Ours, uh, here it is really specifically the second you the second you stake that shit disposal, bam, um, it's like you sold it. Um, and actually, the thing is, you it's even more complicated because you have. Every time you get a small pool of tokens, so let's say you claim 50, 50 Dogecoin, no, that, that's an actual coin. I, I was literally you, using that as a I, joke name, and it's of course it's been an actual crypto for a decade. You are take, you sure that's accurate that staking is a fucking disposal? That doesn't make any sense. You still somewhat, own it. It's somewhat silly. Yeah. Well, it's not it's not a dis it's 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 treated as if it's it's basically a taxable event, is the main thing. Uh, so and it wouldn't, additionally, wouldn't the... there's actually there's actually another complicating factor around that, but that's not even worth going into. If you're interested, I highly recommend you read HMRC's Crypto Assets Manual. I believe it's called CRP 1000. It's an absolute unit uh, with really detailed information on what you can and can't do, some of which is a little bit mental and completely unenforceable to the extent that HMRC themselves, there's a couple of points where they're like, yeah, actually on balance, we're going to change this. But almost all the rest of it is like, do this to the letter and we won't touch you. Um, although I, you I know, don't understand I, how I it's a disposal because you still well, own it. I don't either. Well, it's not, so it's not, it's not a disposal. It's just treated as if it's a disposal in terms of being a taxable event because it's moving out of your control. So it's like you've loaned it to another entity. And then when you regain it, because you you then have that plus the tokens you got on top of it, and you go, oh, okay, that's now the value. So if it's gone down, when you unstake it, you take the diff of those two values, and you go, oh shit, I've lost loads of money, and then boom, it's an instant um, capital loss, right? But the problem is that that capital loss doesn't fucking help you. <laughs> uh, the the terminology still... seems fucked over there. The, this is, so this is, this is probably my terminology, not HMRCs. This is just my my understanding of how it all fits together. So that because well, it can't mind, be a disposal. Well, it's so, not. I don't think it's called a disposal, but it's the, the taking is, the effect is the effect is the same, which is that you need to sell or stake on the same day. Otherwise, you need to keep track of the accrued value of that pot that you acquired on that day. 
and then you need to track the difference between values of all your individual pots from their delta from the delta of the value you got them to where they land when you sell them. Yeah, like on a first in first out basis or a sure. last in first out yeah, basis exactly. or, or whatever. And, and that is absolutely mental if you're collecting revenue every week. Let's say, I mean, very few people do claim rewards every week, right? For for that reason. So. I should also say, by the way, uh, disclaimer to anybody listening and anybody watching: this isn't this is not tax advice. advice. Uh, <laughs> this is not tax advice. This is not financial advice. This does not constitute, you know, check in your local tax authority, including in the UK and Australia, with a qualified accountant like the ones that we have that check the spreadsheets that we give them. That we do these kind of maths and do this kind of high level bookkeeping to try and get an idea of our profit position. This is our understanding. But it's important and to then say argue with them for hours. We, <laughs> we then give all these spreadsheets and these calculations and all of the source data to trained professionals who then actually come up with numbers and tell us what is right and what is wrong. So, you know, pinch of salt. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I, I have solved my. Um, data acquisition problem for tax please hire scrapers on fiverr oh that actually was it yeah you just go and pay the scraper and they go and get all the fucking information for you it's great so Um, what did you provide them like here's an endpoint suck it dry here's the website i need this information from these pages go to work and then they just and so they said you trust the output well you can spot check it right uh, I I gave them a, um, a spreadsheet uh, in like sheets spreadsheet with all of the points that I needed the data points and so basically <clears throat> you know basically it's just uh, transactions uh, hashes on the left end you know transaction hashes from address to address amount fee all that crap and then f- you know the the message uh, JSON as well. At the end, so basically, then I can just go and do custom stuff on all the different contracts and shit to get out the information that I need. So, um, yeah. Anyway, we'll see how that goes. I mean, that that sounds better than what I did. In it's fairness. inspired, really. The alternative is to go and do it myself manually because I can't scrape for shit. So I would have to go and either like query the chain, which is fucking impossible because of all the forks, um, and. You know, it'd be great if someone who had just indexed the entire fucking chain would just let us subquery the fucking thing. But anyway, um, <clears throat> mint scan. <laughs> I get it. I get it, mint scan. But just fuck, man. Give us a CSV for fuck's sake. And um, anyway, the, the only other way I could do it is to go and do it manually out of the out of the explorers, which just seems like a loss of an entire month. Do you know, it, it It didn't even occur to me when we were doing our 2022 wrap-up one, like most bullshit moments of 2022. Up up in there should have been when CoinGecko turned off the CSV export function for, um, what was it, daily daily rolling price? Because you could, you, could, you could literally get a spreadsheet between like literally any days and then you could just in Excel go, oh, this one, this column here and then the column one above to the left why are you using Excel, man? You can um, oh, you can add them together. Use sheets and query their API. They've got a fucking free API. Well, what did I end up doing in the end, though? I ended up writing a script to do this for me because they have you an API. You can do it right in your sheet. <laughs> well, you I don't did. even need it. 
I, I'm just saying that you used to be able to just go like, wham, get all the stuff, just open LibreOffice and go, boop, and then just drag, drag the formula to the bottom. And then you had the free, the fair market value for like whatever, all time. Uh, and that was pretty useful. But then, oh, well, I have to just make a, make a CSV on the command line now. That's easy peasy. Not the end of the world. Um, we were talking before the show about uh, Shorty. We were talking in particular about funding stuff and the economics of that. And I saw like there was there was quite a bit of shenanigans about uh, I think it was I think it was mainly around um, I think Confio was sort of talking about it and there was some ah oh, Rama's in the chat <laughs> I saw Rama was giving Confio a fucking hard time on Twitter was one of the other things that happened um, and oh wait hold on I don't know about Rama giving them hard a hard time what happened uh, I can't remember exactly the context. But uh, I think I saw Ethan Frey saying to Rama, do you not have any manners? <laughs> and uh, I felt like weighing in and saying Rama's just Australian wouldn't be helpful. So I just closed Twitter instead. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was just like, I don't know to what extent this is. This is boisterous Australianism versus actual giving people a hard time. But it certainly is the case that there's been like so quite a bit of discussion behind the scenes about funding and whatnot for, uh, I guess, dev teams that are building like, you know, sort of core ish infrastructure in the space. And then we've also had quite a few conversations about, you know, grant applications and whether or not it's actually worth it and all that kind of stuff. And I think we have our own thoughts on whether it's worth bothering for one of a better phrase right and then there's two there's two things in commonwealth right now just on juno like that's how why we're talking about the fmos for volunteers at the top of the show right there's two things on cosmos um, cosmos on commonwealth at the moment which are coming up on chain on juno uh gelotto and sardau right which are both funding props for for community projects right so there's all the way up here there's like the icf and stuff and then there's because i know shortly because you were talking about like getting funding for a prospective project at some point, weren't you? Was that the ICF you were talking to or was that somebody else? Uh, I actually talked to quite a few projects about funding. Um, I think I've talked to, talked to my project with you about a couple of times. Not, not the, well, I have a project that I have pretty well scoped out um, and I've gone to ICF. I've talked to quite a few different projects about getting funding and it, basically universally it's been like, yeah, that sounds like a really cool project. It sounds doable we would love you through the funnel and then the funnel just kind of dries up. Right. So it's like one of those things where you have to, well, I haven't solved it yet. So I don't really know what the solution is. Um, How about we go find you a nice VC, sir? I have talked to Strangelove <laughs> and Strangelove has been interested, but that, that enters a different realm though. Like there's a between a dev grant and, and going VC. Cause that means I'm, you know, splitting things off and i don't know i feel like I, i'm not desperate enough for that yet when you're a vc you're you're owned on you like that's that that's the thing like uh, and that's the we we both we've both done the startup dance haven't we before where you see the founders of the company you work for and you know you you get a lower salary when you go to startup anyway because it's like oh it's all about the mission or whatever but you usually get to do slightly cooler stuff right and then you have this like realization on like a, I don't know, like a, a company fucking Christmas do or something where all the booze is getting drunk and there's a big swanky party and stuff. And you're like, 
the founders are basically on minimum wage because they're getting paid by VC. That's like what's happening here. And then you're like, what the fuck? That doesn't make any sense. Like they they're they're the most exposed. I like getting paid the well, I mean, but that's the de- that's the deal, isn't it, right? Um so it's a bit of a strange like position to come in. Like when you've because I mean, whether you whether however long you've been in the space, right? If you've survived even this long through the bear, you must have at least a semi-viable business. So the idea of sacking a business on the head to go chasing VC money and then taking a very, very, very subordinate position in that relationship is like not super yeah exactly right so like vc is an option and i've actually spoken with um traditional firms about funding for it and again interest but again vc and i don't know i've seen other people doing the song and dance about going for vc funding and doing series a seed funding whatever i'm just not interested in it like i want to build a cool product that i would use i don't want can you tell us what the project is schultzy uh no the, the gist is it a tax platform <laughs> no it's nfts for dogs exactly right yeah nfts for dogs sorry shortsy yep. yep. i know you told me in confidence but i think it's a great idea you need to get it out there uh yep. i process the genes of a dog and then i print an nft of it pretty cool holy fuck people would actually buy that man they probably yeah, would if you literally literally got the what's the thing i'm thinking of is it crispr what's the thing where you have like the the fingerprint of the genetic it's crispr no, Chris, is it yeah. no, oh no well crispr is the genetic things. modification yeah yeah hey what if nft collection 1000 unique nfts fucked up dogs we just you're talking about genetic sequencing yeah we just get we just get right we just run a bunch of dog dna through crispr using chat gpt make nfts Everybody gets a fucked up dog, five thousand dollars each. <laughs> there, done. Money. Problem solved. Hey, we don't need money, fellas. <laughs> I've got it sorted. Right, let's let's go knock this out. If we if we hurry, we can have it done by midnight, and we'll be millionaires by one a.m. I reckon. Okay, here you go. Uh, NFT generating platform. Right, you can mint an NFT. You have to go and get your pet's DNA sequenced. You can enter the DNA into the the platform and you will get your dog's features based on its DNA sequencing in the NFT. But you can also CRISPR the fuck out of it and like fuck it up with CRISPR and do shit. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. So it's like a gamified NFT minting bullshit. That sounds fun. Yep. Did anybody... uh... So I've jokingly now, whenever whenever I share with any of the lads uh, like an article or something, I just say, oh, here's the seminar reading for this week. But did anybody actually read the article that I put in the chat the other day, which which was in the seminar reading category? Because um, that, that what Noel just described could literally be an actual modern art piece, like as in an actual semi- there's the, there's this whole description of um, a modern art piece in that article where the people who do it are told what to do verbally by the artist. It's never written down, and they perform the piece in a gallery. And somebody was able to buy this artwork. You basically get lawyers either side of the table to 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 witness what is happening, and the artist writes down from memory 
what they told everybody to do on a piece of paper goes, uh, uh, I think even puts it in a fucking box so they can't replicate it because copyright, you're not buying out the copyright. You're just buying the artwork. You're just buying a representation of the artwork. And they put it in a box and they're like, right, there's the key. You promise you're not going to go do unlicensed copies of this artwork. And then, oh, there was some insane thing where I'm pretty sure this was like, I need to reread the article actually, but there was, there was something where a piece of art like that actually had a secondary market for it where somebody had basically been able to sort of make an unlicensed copy. And it was sort of like, oh, what are we going to do? And it's like, this this breaks my brain. It has no if it, it has no essence, no form. Um, the art hey, world's too weird to me. I get Pokemon cards, but nothing else makes sense. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think so. The the author of the article um, is uh, was is Mackenzie Walk, who wrote Capital is Dead and wrote a number of also very good things. Um, but I think also at some point, I'm pretty sure I saw her um, post a wry tweet. I don't think they're a fan of crypto, but uh, I think they posted something like, well, NFTs are pretty much the final form of art, aren't they? So so the phrase was your, I didn't quite get what you're saying, but it sounds like your art in a box is like the Schrodinger's cat of art in that it can be simultaneously shit or good as long as it's in the box something like that i don't remember if you get to read the piece of paper or whatever the 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 name of the the article if you want to google it safe search on is my collectible ass by uh, mackenzie walker i think that's the name of the essay in question um so yeah it's quite good it's uh, another one of those ones that makes you go hold on there's nothing new under the sun um but uh yeah like so what do we actually think of so in, in the context of like like really specific things then like what do we think of like because say like the gelato thing like i think that's quite interesting because they did a prop like quite some time ago right and everybody was like mm. and then they went and built it and now they're like well we built it can we now have some money to continue building like i mean you know my fucking you know what i have to say about this please well well there's two things now is not the time to ask for money like pain everywhere that you're just fucking throwing away big handfuls of tokens that will be worth a lot more later on. But that said, make a fucking sustainable project. Like why does everyone have to subsidize everyone's projects? I just don't get it. Well, because there's no, uh, the the argument is simple, right? Especially for, for a chain like Juno and implicitly every other chain, the token has no utility unless work is done. And the work is the work of the smart contracts. Like the, the smart contracts need to, you need smart contracts to do things in order for there to be utility. It's a, it's a fucking Ouroboros, isn't it? Like there's no. So why, why have a bunch of circle? What, what, is, like, what was it? What was Rido's? What was Rido's term? It was a, it's a circle stake, isn't it? It's a circle stake. That's what's going on. But why, I just fucking, if, why have all the chains then? Like if they're all competing for the devs, not why not just have one chain and let them, create some sustainable projects until they run out of like, you know, available compute on that chain and then start another one. Like why, you know, why try and attract all the developers if all they're going to do is come and take the free money and then fuck off? Like you need to encourage people for reasons other than taking money from the community pool to develop or taking money from a dev fund to develop. Like 
They clearly don't want to fucking be there. Yeah, but get well, people who no, want to well, be there. No, no, you know why? There's a, what, but no, you there's, know, there's if, a, but there is a saying, right? There is a saying uh, in the labor in the labor movement of a fair a fair day's pay for a fair day's work, right? I like I don't I don't believe in working for free, and I try not to do it. Like I worked for free on Juno for however many months, six months or something, but that was a very like that's the thing you do once in a once in a kind of career because you're just like this is genuinely interesting and it might go somewhere but you shouldn't and like the fact that then you know there were a lot of a lot of things around that situation that meant that that was even possible one of them was obviously like working on other stuff to bring in income and being a freelancer already and blah 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 you know like it was a privileged position but you shouldn't work for free like that's just a fucking dumb so you know? should people okay you you live in a community and um, you know they they want the community to be good, right? They want to make a great community, and then other people come to the community, and we all have fucking hold hands and spin around the circle, right? So you have you want to you know you're you're there in the community. You want to have a project and get paid for it, right? So you come up with a project to like create a Lego sculpture of a squirrely turd that you can put in your cupboard and never see the light of day again. You're doing work. Should you ask everyone to pay for you to fucking do it? I don't know. Does it benefit the people who are paying for it? Like why, you know, maybe well, it you, depends ask, for a million, you, you well, ask for a million dollars to create something are, that's worth nothing. It depends on a few things, right? It depends on whether we are actually a community. It depends on whether it depends on. Well, you are asking a community of, of token holders to pay for something. Yeah. And if that if that is just to pay someone for doing work that they're doing, there has to be inherent value in the work that they're doing and there has to be sustainability of the project for the work that they're doing. Otherwise, they're bringing no value and you're paying them to just fucking jerk themselves off. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, that, that's a fair point. I mean, the point is that we're, we're just a bunch of fucking nerds on the internet, right? So actually, like, yeah, you don't have to... All, all of the social costs of not paying somebody for doing work are born elsewhere right and in addition most work is unnecessary because but the problem is uh in essence the issue is this right which is that most of the stuff we're doing in this space has no fucking utility most of it is a circle stake so in order for anybody to turn over enough rocks to find the really good use cases okay there are some ahead of time we know are garbage we know there are some ahead of time that are probably quite good, right? But there is also an element of infinite monkeys at infinite typewriters, isn't there? Where you inherently want to get smart people in the space and start them banging rocks together because that tends to be how good stuff gets turned over. I mean, like, that's literally the model for like st- uh, what they call uh, Valve. And that's the model for 3M corporate. Like it's, this model has been tried a number of times in corporate history as an incubator for innovation. The the thing that's that's hard to control for is not the project because the uh, most projects are garbage, right? It's the quality of the people that's hard to um, uh, vet, right? So it's like I think is the problem not like social or talent or whatever. Like that, it's not it's not the it's not the money per se, right? Because if you if you just hang on to the money, 
and then the chain never goes anywhere. The chain dies, it goes to zero, and all those hypothetical tokens that were worth $1 are worth $0. So they go to zero anyway. Like the end result is that the, you die. The money, the money of, a, of a network, right, the token money is from the token holders, right? So the value of a network, the market cap of a network is based on how much people are willing to pay for the token for the network, right? Every time, especially right now, every time we spend money from a community pool or a dev fund, we fucking take a bat and we smack the fucking community with it, right? Because it's incredibly damaging. Even 30, 100 grand at the moment to sell on market is damaging with LP pools the size of $2 million, right? So that's one aspect. The other aspect is that I think that if you believe in a project, you will build it for free if it's a sustainable project and you know that you can make money out of it. There's a bunch of hands out in the in the ecosystem for people that just come up with a project for the sake of coming up with a project to get some money to build it. So that's that's kind of what we were talking about earlier though, right? Where a lot of these so-called handouts, they don't actually follow through a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't follow through, but a lot of other people just come up with a clone of another project and copy the fucking code base and make, give it, make it look a bit different or add a feature or something um, just to churn the wheels so that they can get paid for their time to do that shit. And then it inherently has zero fucking value because it's just a clone of something else. And it's just people spinning their wheels to get paid for their time. So, which incidentally, is that, is that what is that good for? I just want to observe that we've accidentally stumbled onto the porch of David Graeber's third book, Bullshit Jobs. Does where he have more than one book? I mean, well, it's, I, think, I think he had five or six before he died, possibly more. Sorry to the ghost of David Graeber if I got that wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean. I, it, did you read the Adam Smith book after you read the. Um, uh, which one? Sorry, the 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 one that Graeber talks about all the time. Oh, well, the, Nate, you, you mean I, yeah. I, thought you, I thought you meant that Graeber had written some book like no, 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 the no. of no. Smith, but I I had to read the Wealth of Nations for 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 college. You had to read the entire thing for wow, Pretty isn't it like sure, twelve hundred yeah. pages? It's not that big, is it? I think it is because it's broken up into five parts, right? Maybe I read a condensed version then because it was the the version I read was not twelve hundred pages. Maybe it's like a there's like an excerpts of it for the for like an economics primer or something. Clip the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is just like fucking. The the good bits are fucking obvious, and then a lot of the rest of it, as it turns out, is completely apocryphal anyway. So, um, <laughs> what you gonna do? Um, but I want to just pull out. So uh, yeah, so um, yeah, bullshit. In the job. cut, wealth of nations in the cut. Another book. Uh, yeah. So read. anyway, well, <laughs> well, I've heard the the theories of moral sentiment is also really good. His first book. So just throwing that out there. I, I, it's in my card that I need to buy. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Uh, so no, I was just saying that, like I think what you're describing there, Null, is that like you shouldn't do bullshit jobs. Basically, like jobs that don't need doing shouldn't be done. And that's maybe the problem we have well, here. A, thank, thank you, David Graeber, for helping us with that one again. Uh, it's I'm a just fucking go waste comments. of resources. We got a shit ton of comments, so I'm going to pull some of them out. Um, oh, you're fucking. Hang on, hang on. Hold the fucking phone. Holy fucking sec. Right. So does Adam Bond does says, Amazon does Amazon not keep your card? Uh, it depends if you got. Shut up, Nile. It's time to do some comments. Uh, Adam Bomb says, "Upload DNA to an NFT, then clone the dog when it dies." 
like it. That's very. Uh, what's the film where that happens? Is it AI or is it? No, that's a like, that's a Black Mirror uh, episode, right? Is it okay? Right there, you go. Yeah. Uh, so no, they're, they're, AI is Pinocchio, isn't it? That's just a science fiction Pinocchio. Uh, cause so less harm says art equals money laundering. Don't, don't run through the comments. So there was a uh, there was a Black Mirror episode where it was like an end of life thing, right? So after you decided that you've had enough of the real world, you could go and upload yourself into the computer and you just live forever in the computer. That was also. I- Neil Stevenson's last book, but one. I had to stop watching Black Mirror after one of the episodes where the guy like recorded everything with his eye. That was too visceral for me. I had to back out. It was way too much. It's too real, right? I fucking love Black Mirror. I wish it's, they it's kept going real. with it. It's absurdly good. Fantastic. I would recommend it to anyone, even if I can't stomach it. I even loved Altered Carbon. Continue the fray with you. I'm, sh- I'm sure. I'm. I'm sure I've said this before, but the writers of Nathan Barley were the original writers of black mirror of nathan what is that uh nathan barley which is the 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 hipster uh parody show it's an old british comedy um which i know i don't know if Noel watched but i know usurper watched um it's got like richard ioade it's a very young richard ioade and uh like uh junior julian thingy from the mighty who would go on to be in the mighty boosh and yeah anyway um so uh but yeah they did a really good comedy show and then they went on to write uh, Black Mirror. Uh, so, yeah, Cause Less Harm says art is money laundering. Um, In some cases it is. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, those those big value things, I think there's a bit of money laundering and also tax evasion going on uh, with on Ethereum with like the big value NFTs. But I think that like NFTs can also just be community and fun as well. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be money laundering like the cheap nfts that we've got on i don't think his point was or well, their point was necessarily oh sorry he said NFTs. art equals art. money laundering right? yeah art so, so it's interesting you jump to nfts <laughs> money laundering now i think you have some subconscious uh, no well, that's that's like the main point of nfts right that's why they were created to money launder i mean to be fair that's what happened with that beeple one wasn't it it was literally them buying their own nft wasn't it they were just wash trading their NFT. Um, uh, I don't know what jurisdiction they're in, so uh, allegedly wash trading their own uh, NFT just in case they're in the same jurisdiction as mine and watch this podcast. Anyway, uh, Soy Tea Studio says the whole cri- the whole funding com- uh, community funding concept in crypto is nonsense. Imagine going on Dragon's Den saying we have no product to track record. Fund me, please. I don't. I don't agree with that. Um, Dragon. I mean. I would say community funding is more like venture capital in the sense that you're generally, from what I've seen, like presenting what I want to do. And this is, this will be the fallout. Dragon's Den is you have your product, but you want to actually like expand it from its current market. Right. So I would say they're, they're not quite the same. Yeah. I think, I, uh, I think some people go on, some people go on Dragon's Den with an idea though, right. Or like a very early stage product. Some, but they're the ones who have been put in by the producers to get laughed at. Because remember, the producers vet everybody they're going to put on the show, right? So they specifically put in some people to get laughed at for entertainment value, and they're all the people that all the people at idea level, pretty much unanimously, are the ones who are going to get laughed at. But then I don't watch every episode of Dragon's Den, so there are probably some exceptions to the rule, right? My favorite one was probably a like two thousand dollar water filter. Where they talked about how it tasted so good, it was a it was a pyramid scheme, of course. Um, and then they gave some of the water to the Dragon's Den folks, 
and they hadn't like pre-filtered it or whatever. So the water tasted awful. And so they were like, you're trying to give us like shitty water. What are you doing? And one guy was just like streams of sweat down his face. Uh, it was. <laughs> so they literally beautiful. just gave him like a cup of water. Oh, the they gave him literally a cap. It wasn't from a tap. He had like a little water filter machine, which are normally, you know, like 50 bucks or whatever, but they're selling it for like $2,000 with no oh, real value add. Um, Put some so, like menthol in it. <laughs> ben, ben Davis says application specific blockchain should have specific applications on them. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Uh, we should distinguish between public goods funding and business funding. This is actually a good point, which is that, you know, what we've just been talking about there, which is kind of the the props that are coming up uh, and seen elsewhere is very much about um, projects, right? Whereas uh, Rama roasting people on Twitter was very much about um, funding for already delivered software, maintenance of that software, et cetera, which is, you know, that's the, the Confio piece. That's the core infrastructure piece, right? Which is like much more like, almost like a b2b support contract or something like you you would see in the corporate sector maybe i don't know um but they are they are different things right um uh so yeah and then following up on this point earlier soy 2 studio also says in an industry full of grifters the purse string should be tighter than the real world which i guess is kind of like a different way of saying what Noel was talking about uh wrong god there's a lot of comments Thanks, lads. Uh, I'm just gonna have to read them all out, aren't I? So um, hang on, hang on. I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna interject and just say more shit because I like the sound of my voice. So just with with funding and and projects and stuff, right? It seems to me like any project worth building, people build and make an app chain out of it. Is this not the app chain thesis? Like, I you have to wonder why you would even have a a general purpose smart contract platform at this point. Ooh, I, I mean, for one general purpose smart contract platform, you have a community to, to leverage, right? If I was building on Juno, I would feel no guilt in messaging the fray and being like, hey, I'm having this issue with a smart contract. However, if I were building my own chain, I wouldn't feel quite the same about it because yeah, then I'm like building a competitor. Yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what was that? I, Sorry, I, that's, what did you that's say? my stock response to it, by the way, on disk. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be general purpose app chains. I'm just thinking out loud. Well, also, I think that part of the problem that we've encountered so far is we haven't had a lot of very ambitious uh, app chains just yet, in my opinion. Um, we've got, you know, Crescent is just another DEX. Osmosis is just a DEX. I know Osmosis is way more than that. But in the grand scheme of things, it's just a DEX. We haven't had anything that really leverages, you know, a full app chain concept yet. So... I think that whenever you're talking about something that might take a year or two to build, it makes more sense to go to the ICF or whatever for funding before you actually start building. Like you need to get funding to, to funnel for a full two years or however long it takes yeah. to actually build. So I mean, this is the essential oh, problem of where we are right now is that the app chain concept assumes that you have time to build an app, time and money to build an app chain, right? Which at the moment, it doesn't really seem like people are capable of leveraging the SDK for anything other than minor modifications of existing stuff. I mean, like Juno V12 is a big package of features that took a long time to integrate and test, but they're largely, they are largely, if not entirely, I mean, there's some new stuff in there, obviously, because there always is when you integrate other software and you have to tinker or add things that are specific for your chain, but they are adaptations, right? There's not a novel, there's not really a novel 
concept to all of that. And actually, there's an argument of whether or not you should be adding too much compl- con- yeah, co- custom stuff to a general purpose chain. That's probably for another day. But like, there, there is this fundamental disconnect between developer ergonomics required to make app chains possible in a meaningful time frame for before a team runs out of money and where we demonstrably appear to be with the SDK. Or, you know, maybe we're just still too early and in a few years' time, there'll be thousands of SDK developers knocking out app well, chains. The, the point of the SDK is that you just have to write your module, right? And just make some minor Yeah, so why don't people do that? SDK. Yeah, I don't know. Developer um, ergonomics, that's the, the answer. So Why do people like write the- way more smart contracts than they write SDK modules? Because the ergonomics of writing Rust and Cosmosm are way better. Or, or is the mechanics of Wasm more appropriate to what they're trying to do? Well, also that actually, there's a there's a pretty strong argument that you may as well just have the lightweight VM and just move on with your life. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I, th- I think we've been I think we've been talking about this for nearly a year now. <laughs> but um, right, I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, shit. Right, we've got to get some, through some more comments. So Rama says, Gelotto has 30k Juno in volume in six months. Rack has 2.5 million volume. If you can't make a product, people. Oh, if you can't make a product, people can't make a people product, use. People, why be yeah, funded? Sorry, if you can't make a pre- product, people use. Why should it be funded? Shots fired. Shots fired. Um, Adam Bomb says, uh, "Oh, this is at me, I guess." Um, I don't think the infinite monkeys theory is an efficient use of resources. We should be infinitely better at identifying a true need and working to solve it. Uh, well, we won't be infinitely better. We can only be slightly less than infinitely better because that's how infinity works. That was really needlessly trolley response but yeah you're, you're um, totally right i mean right. we could be just slightly less shit at it yeah, i mean yeah we should begin be. with uh <laughs> charlie brooker being married to a blue peter presenter never makes sense to me uh yeah there's a really good lockdown thing where he has to do an episode or something from his own house and it's just him and connie huck and their children and he's like everything's insane but i'm married to the nicest person in britain it's very weird very funny um <laughs> god all right okay uh um community okay so uh, they're talking about community pools we got a minute left uh as now will tell you community pools are not assets the liabilities against liquidity pools any community pool spend is reflected as a reduction in the price of the tokens you hold and that's why you need to be careful about community pools which actually is a point that null has made before many times you're, you're somehow smarter than you you look now you know i'll just say that um uh and yeah uh god yeah and yeah there's a lot more comments along that line about the i know i'm about to get rugged so i'm just now like uh i i just i don't know what to do um so anyway uh